All right. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining this fellowship time with us on the Gideon Warrior Network. Our email for the broadcast is gideonelite at protonmail.com. Gideon Warrior Network is dedicated to informing and edifying the sons and daughters of Jacob Israel of their true biblical identity. These are they which were prophesied at Genesis 17.5 and 32.28 to form a multitude of nations and with whom was made a new covenant as Hebrews 8.8 informs us of. These fellowships are open in that if you wish to bring a topic to the table, you can feel free. I'm not a designated uh, as your permanent host, but interest in serious edification and discussion on Yahweh's word and its application in our personal and national lives. Our broadcast is live each Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, and when not forgotten, are recorded and archived on the Gideon Warrior Network site page. Tonight's fellowship is in presentation mode. And presentation mode means it's closed to participant interaction. Uh, collaboration means it's open to participation, and tonight it will not be. The primary call-in participation telephone numbers, 605-562-0444. That's for most of the Midwest area. The East Coast uh, also covers Pennsylvania or comes out of Pennsylvania. The number there is 717-734-6904. And computer users will find a chat window for communications with the moderator and other participants. Feel free to leave the comments and questions, and the moderator will make every effort to include them throughout the broadcast. I'd like to open this evening with a word of prayer to our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity you give us through this technology to make these broadcasts possible. Father, we thank you for your word and for the guidance it gives us each and every day as we try to apply it each and every day in every work that we do in our lives. So we thank you, Father, for knowing our needs in advance, and we thank you for the blessings you provide us. Father, we ask for healing and assistance with all those that are out there today with continued physical needs, uh, health needs, and so forth. And Father, we just ask that you be with them and their loved ones as they work with you in seeking those healing hands of yours upon them and finding the solutions in your word and in your natural remedies for them that they may have been missing. And Father, we just ask these things and the protection on this broadcast to continue without interruption in the blessed holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it. Amen. This evening, I am welcoming to the fellowship evangelist and author Ted R. Wyland of Mission to Israel Ministry. His website is missiontoisrael.org. He has an additional website, bibleversusconstitution.org, and the verses is spelled completely out. Ted also has a Facebook presence and contact form on those websites. We encourage seekers to go there and bookmark. I'm honored to know Ted and to have him this evening. I would say that Ted is one of a few in America attempting in some respects 
to shake Christians from their unbiblical moorings. And I've had the liberty of time to enjoy a few of his written works and from time to time some of his many audio archives. I appreciate his effort in tearing down walls in our minds with the pure word of truth. And tonight he's joining us to share with us his journey and latest undertaking in biblically analyzing the Declaration of Independence. He's already undertaken that task of the biblically examination of the Constitution for the United States of America. And I can assure you this humble little fellowship is way below Ted's qualification grade. Notwithstanding, I would say that one of the predominant contentions that Ted might have from the evidence of his written works, his study of the biblical record, and his exhaustive body of sermons and dissertations is the all too often assertion of the biblical nature of America's sacred cows, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution for the United States of America, and the two idols it spawned, a donkey and an elephant. Now, before one goes into full-blown cognitive dissonance, each professing Christian owes a duty to God to truly and earnestly assess whether these idols be no idols at all. If you won't sit down with Ted's aides in front of you, then take the documents themselves, put them in front of you, and pray for divine intervention upon your preconceived notions and beliefs, and make a scriptural analysis of them for yourselves. It's my fervent belief, and probably could speak for Ted also in this instance, if you will invariably do so, you will inevitably come to the similar conclusions that you're going to hear tonight. Oh, I know it will not be easy for you to allow God to intervene in your preconceptions. But most assuredly, it will be liberating. I say that if one in ten of us had a command of the biblical record as Ted does, God's Jacob Israel people should not be finding themselves in the condition they're in today. And before I bring Ted in here, I wanted to just say something from the Word. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and bring Ted in. Good evening, Ted. Welcome to Gideon Warrior Network. Thank you. Hey Doug, good to good to be with you. Um, it's you know it was so good to meet you several years ago, and and uh, you know we've had a few communications since. But I'm especially grateful for what you're doing with your network and and the works that you have done. And 
Um, just so thankful to be here with you and, and with your group. Well, I appreciate it. I really do because your work has been just another remarkable, eye-opening and edifying um, consideration that has changed a lot of things in the way that I have been, um, I don't want to say necessarily approaching scripture, but just opening the, the mind to recognizing uh, many of the fallacies that we've grown up around and have really recognized have grown into our nation for the last 200 years. And so it just has really been uh, an assurance, if you will, to some of those things that, you know, we ourselves are revealing and understanding from Scripture. And it just is so refreshing to know that you're not alone. And your work has certainly made me know that I am not alone in these understandings and uh, where we're at in our country. But as I was saying, I wanted to open up with a scripture reading, and I think you'd agree with this scripture reading. <clears throat> We're going to begin at 1 Samuel. I'm going to be quick, and I'll read fast. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 15. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And when he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto Yahweh. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, the name of his second Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba. His sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes, and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge. And Samuel prayed unto Yahweh, and Yahweh said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of king that shall reign over them. Samuel told all the words of Yahweh unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall round before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughter to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. 
he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants, your maid servants, your goodest, goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and you shall be his servants and you shall cry out in that day because of your king, which you shall have chosen you. And Yahweh will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, nay, but we will have a king over us that we may be also uh, may also be like all the nations that are and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard the words of the people and he rehearsed them in the ears of Yahweh. And Yahweh said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, go every man unto his city. Wow. With that history lesson before us, it ought to not be real difficult for us to understand what has happened here in America. With the Bible being 80 to 90% an instruction manual of the government of the God of Jacob Israel, it certainly seems we've got ample record. You know, Ted, page 51 I believe it was the third paragraph. I made a note third, so that must be third paragraph. You write, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 states, where the spirit of Yahweh is, there is liberty. Paragraph 2, sentence 2 of the Declaration of Independence says in part that governments are instituted by men, deriving their just powers by the consent of the government. Ted. Honestly, is there anything in Samuel's declaration in 1 Samuel that we just read that implies or in otherwise infers any biblical accuracy of that statement in the Declaration of Independence? Well, I would, I would, I would add to that, Doug, is there anywhere <laughs> in the Bible, period, that does so? 1 Samuel, of course, is a, is a great passage and really kind of outlines it out for us, but you know what, when you start promoting as tragically, regrettably, so many um, Christians, I'll say alleged Christians, because only God knows those who are his or not, and there's a lot of, you know, Christian is thrown around so so much at, with, with so little evidence of, of being biblical that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add the word alleged, but Alleged or not, it's it's tragic that so many people today claiming to be Christians um, and patriots um, have been hoodwinked into believing in a document that's from stem to stern. And, and we're, well, I should talk about both documents: the Constitution and the Declaration that that sired it. Um, both documents that from stem to stern are humanistic documents that really reflect, uh, I think, Judges 21-25, where the last verse of, of the book of Judges, where it says, and every man did that which was right in his own sight. And what the, the declaration, yeah. the, uh, um, the, uh, the constitutional framers and the, the signatories of the declaration did is that they they took what's found in Judges 21:25 and and uh, made it official for the whole for the whole nation through the the two documents that they created, 
And um, you know, I, you know, when I I I grew up, or not grew up, but I, when I once I became a Christian, uh, I was involved with churches that were what's known as antinomian or anti God's law as applicable under the New Covenant. And when I came to the understanding that that is not what the Bible teaches, certainly not what the New Testament teaches. Um, it didn't take me long after understanding that God's law is applicable that, wait a minute, there there is something really, really wrong. Um, and I began with the Constitution, as you know. Um, there is something mm-hmm. really, really wrong with this idea that this document is biblically com- compatible. And and it's what's, what's really ironic. It's a godless, Christless, and and biblical lawless document. Nowhere do does the Constitution, you know, except for possibly they they made Christ the the timekeeper in in Article Seven of the Constitution. Other than that, there's nowhere that God is mentioned. There's nowhere that Christ is mentioned. And there's nowhere where His Word or His law is mentioned. It's a godless, Christless, mm-hmm. biblically lawless document that promotes humanism, and it begins with we the people. Um, and, you know, you know here, and here's what I think has happened with both of these documents, Doug, is that as Christians, we have, over the last 235 years or whatever it is since, since the uh, Constitution boys met in Philadelphia, that since then we have so much wanted that document and the and and the declaration to be our document and those boys to be our boys that nobody's taken the time or very few I should say you have and others have mm-hmm. but, but have taken the time to actually examine the two documents by the only standard by which everything must be ethically examined and that's God's immutable unchanging triune and integral moral law his 10 commandments the statutes that explain them and the judgments that that uh, enforce them, and once you do, just like Absolutely. you said in your opening remarks, once you know, if if people will do what I did and take the Bible and examine this, these two documents, they can't help but come away with um, the fact that these documents are anything but biblical compatible. They are biblically seditious, egregious uh, documents that are the reason America finds herself precipitously teetering on the precipice of moral depravity and, and destruction today. There is not anything nationally that's going on in America that cannot be taken back to its genesis, which is the constitutional framers and the, the document they created, along with the Declaration of Independence. Absolutely. I absolutely agreed. You know, talk about stinking thinking and preconceived notions or rotten Christian narratives. I, I'm going to go ahead and be the first to let Ted kick me, kick me in the hinder. And I've asked Ted in the past why he always insists on kicking me in the hind end. What do you usually tell me, Ted? I, I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember. He said, well, you're the only one that would stand still for it. Long enough. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, so at least it makes me feel good enough that I know that I stood still long enough for somebody to go ahead and kick me in the hind end when I needed it. But seriously, though, I've I've been 
how did Paul say it? You know, I, I'm preeminent of a sinner in this, in that I have justified many of my own erroneous beliefs about our country's documents. And basically, <clears throat> what I found myself doing in time in my Christian walk is I basically began paraphrasing 1 Samuel 12, 13, 15, very poorly, I might add. And that is this. If you're so dumb as to ask yourself a king or create for yourself a constitution, I'll be with you. And that was my paraphrase. But let me read what the scripture actually says. And then you can see my folly. Not that you don't already know it. And I'm just saying this for the listeners and so forth. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. Now, therefore, behold, the king you, whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And behold, Yahweh has set a king over you. If you will fear Yahweh and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, then shall both you and also the king that reigns over you continue following Yahweh your God. Now, I don't know if anybody saw it or could catch what I did. And I had to realize that if my preconceived notions and beliefs are going to prevent me from the whole truth right there in that scripture itself, that I was nothing more than a hypocrite. And I subsequently realized that I apparently, conveniently, or ignorantly, as in ignored, some profoundly important info in that passage of Scripture, didn't I, Dad? Yeah, that's, yeah you did. <laughs> as many have. Yeah, because it, 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 the only way he's going to be with us, it says, if we do not rebel against the commandment of Yahweh, and only then shall both myself and the king that reigns over us continue following Yahweh. If we didn't, we're not going to continue following him. It's as simple as that. But I could allow my preconceived notions and ideas to stand in the way of the full truth of that scripture with my own thought. Well, you know, gee, you make this constitution and it doesn't exactly work out for you, as long as you're with me, I'll be with you. That is not what it says. Not at all. Not at all. As I was studying Isaiah in these past several months, Ted, that we've been doing a study on Isaiah, I learned at chapter 5, verse 24, and I quote, Yet they cast away the law of Yahweh and the Holy One of Israel. Christ himself taught us at Matthew 5, 18, 19, that the heaven and the earth would not pass, or the smallest stroke or letter would not pass, I should say, from the law until it was fulfilled. And he also told us that whoever annulled one of the least of the commandments and teaches others likewise would be called least in the kingdom. So with this body of evidence against us and the passages that we've read in mind, it seems like the signers of the Declaration of Independence cataloged their grievances concerning a tyrant king apparently oblivious to the tyranny that was lurking within their own very souls. 
Yeah, all these, you know, they did have a legitimate. I mean, you you can't go through the history of of the uh, early 17 or late 1700s, excuse me, of those men and the colonies and what they went through and the abuse from King George and and all that they had going on there. You can't help but sympathize with them, and you can't help but get I... excited with Patrick Henry's give me liberty speech because of what was going on. However, the tragedy is is that um, they were rebelling against a government, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, that was another government of by and for the people. You know, Americans think that, that the Constitutional Republic was the only government of by and for the people. Well, that's just not the case. Any government not of mm -hmm. by and for God established upon his moral law is a government of by and for the people, whether whether it be for the many, the few, or just one, as in King George um, in this instance. Um, but they were so they were rebelling against a a government of by and for the people. And what did they create? Just another version. Another one of a government of by and for the people based upon um, the traditions of man, also known 11 years later, also known as the United States Constitution. Um, and so, you know, you want these guys to have it right, but they are, it's anything but right. You go through the document, and I, I went through the document, as you know, with this second book on the Declaration. It's, it's entitled Biblical Examination of the Declaration of Independence, a Declaration of Liberty versus a Declaration of Independence. Liberty, the Declaration of Liberty based upon such passages, for example, as Psalms 19, 7 through 11. Psalms 19 begins, or excuse me, Psalm 19, 7 begins, and the law of Yahweh is perfect, and that perfect law is described by James twice in his epistle as the law of liberty. One in the same law, there's only one perfect law, so they're both describing the same law, the law of, of liberty. And so it's the law of liberty versus the law of declaration, um, um, or excuse me, independence. And um, so I, I examined, I went through the declaration um, line by line, and and uh, saying, okay, is this is this well? Let's this, let's do that. Let's review mind. some of those. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. What? what let's go ahead and review some of those. I said, let's go ahead and review some of those from a biblical perspective. Those grievances there. Uh, I kind of lumped one through six together legislatively as legislative or whatever. Um, and certainly feel free to take them individually or together or whatever you want for the sake of time. I know we're, you know, it's going to click away fast. I want to get you in and out of here and, you know, uh, within the hour that you thought you'd like to devote. So um, let's let's go over some of those grievances and how you assess them biblically. Well, go ahead and lump them together as you will, and then I'll comment on that. Well, I took uh, one through six and basically just uh, grievances one through six and considered them all as kind of um, a legislative, you know, uh, grievance that they had. So I know that, you know, uh, if you wanted to take them on one at a time or how would you like to do that? If we could cover a few of them, what, what, what are your thoughts? 
Well, let, let me let's address the legislative part of this um, because, in my opinion, okay. it is absolutely crucial, if and if not even the most important aspect of where they failed so miserably um, in both the Declaration and the Constitution. Um, and you can go through the Declaration or the Constitution, um, and as I said before. Um, Provide me if go go through it and provide me where they they uh, uh, they said okay we're we're rebelling rebelling because King George and his Parliament are not doing things biblically not doing things according to God's law um, now some of their grievances mm -hmm. you could say were were you know you could you could find some law that would also condemn King George for what he was doing but if those men were the biblically-minded men that we have been told so often that they were. Um, I mean, let, let, me, let me put it this way. You know, Doug, if it was you or a lot of the men that we know of, and we had been there at that time, and we had created these, these documents, would we have not gone out of our way to attribute what we were doing because of God's and Christ's influence in our life and his word and his law and the importance of, of that law of liberty being the basis of any and all governments, government or at least government of governments of, by, and for God, that is. Um, well, of course not. I, I, who would have ever approached somebody who, who claims to be a disciple of Christ, a, a subject of the God of the Bible, who 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 claims what we claim would have ever approached either of these documents without ever naming God or without ever naming His law, and therefore there is there is nothing through any of those grievances. The, the grievances may be certainly generated from from uh, a, a place of of uh, where they had been abused and and taken advantage of, and and much worse than that, but. Nowhere in that declaration, you know, there Thomas Jefferson being the one who who is uh, the principal author of it. He he mentions the uh, the Creator's God, and he he mentions the the uh, uh, what's the the term for the law he uses um, the generic term. Help me here, Doug. Um, laws of nature. Um, and everybody just oh, jumped sure. on that. Oh, nature there's... and nature's God. Yeah. Yeah. There's the there's mm -hmm. there's proof that old Thomas Jefferson was was uh, promoting a uh, a Bible oriented document here that created another one eleven years later, and yet who was Thomas Jefferson and and who was his God? Nobody asked those questions either. That's where and that's where I begin in the book is with um, Thomas Jefferson himself. And uh, you know, there's a lot of people who have accused the this late 1700 uh, signatories of the Const of the Declaration and and the framers of the Constitution as being deist. A lot of Christ or a lot of a lot of uh, well, let's just leave it. A lot of people accuse them of being deist. The fact is, they were not, except for Benjamin Franklin, at least at one point in his life, they were not deist in the pure sense of the word. But nor were they Christians in the biblical sense of the word. If you do not cherry pick their writings, um, 
you're going to find out that they were a combination of the influence of both and probably best described as theistic rationalist. Um, but Thomas Jefferson <laughs> took it further than that. Thomas Jefferson was an antichrist. And you go through his writings, and when you find a man who identified uh, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the virgin birth of Christ, um, his, the miracles he performed, his resurrection, and those such things as a dunghill, quote unquote, a dunghill, um, which I document in in the Declaration of Independence that that is that is what he wrote uh, about those those issues, and took those out of his his abbreviated New Testament, um, left those things completely out of it. You're talking about a man who wasn't just a theistic rationalist. This man was an antichrist, as per Second John 1, 7 through 11, um, which describes what, not the antichrist, which the Bible doesn't even, there is no the antichrist in, in the Bible. It was talking about a plurality of people who rejected Christ for who he was. And it fits Thomas Jefferson perfectly. So, it's no wonder, you know, well, let me back up and say that here is a guy, or we've got people today who take, take the terms, the two terms out of the Declaration of Independence, nature's God and uh, the laws of nature, and then attribute that as being a Bible document. When the guy who, the God, the generic God of Thomas Jefferson and most of the the uh, framers and signatories of the Declaration um, were anything but Christian, and their God was anything but the God of the Bible. And so it's no wonder we ended up with the two documents we have um, that don't represent, that represents a God, but it's the God of we the people, not the God of the Bible. And the legislation thereof yeah. um, is therefore the legislation of that same God um, and there is no recognition of that God or his legislation anywhere in either one of those documents. And that alone should be a, an incredible red flag for anyone that has been to this point hoodwinked into believing those two documents are, are a part of our biblical foundations. If we want to find our biblical foundations, we need to go back to the early 1600s and to, and to constitutions like the new 1639 New Haven, Connecticut Constitution constitution and you can just compare that constitution with the united states constitution that the framers came up with and you'll see you'll be able to see just from that what an unbiblical constitution the framers came up with as compared to what they they provided in the new haven connecticut that's also by the way um i provide at least part of that that constitution in both the uh biblical examination of the Declaration of Independence as well as the, the uh, Bible Law versus the United States Constitution book. Yeah. Well, yeah, and as I was looking through much of your Declaration of Liberty versus the Declaration of Independence, you're looking and, and recognizing some of the same similar situations that we're dealing with today. We've got legislative issues judicial issues, administration issues, or the deep state, as we call it, immigration, militarization, 
those are all the same concerns today, and yet those were all the grievances of those writers and signers of the Declaration of Independence. And well, so fact, here we are. Two hundred. Go ahead. I'm going to say, it's, in fact, it's much worse, Doug, because um, yeah, the 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 government that was created by those who rebelled against King George. It's multiplied times worse from what they were rebelling, even just from the standpoint of taxation, which was one of their their major yes. grievances. And look what we have mm -hmm. today: it's thirty-five to fifty percent taxation, um, and every one of them unbiblical that the Constitution has created, or the Constitutional Republic has created, that was created by the Constitution that the framers created. So you can take every one of their grievances, or at least nearly every one of their grievances, I can't say every one of them, but you can take nearly every one of them and take their grievance and that was supposed to have been dealt with by their, the, uh, the Declaration of Independence and the, and the United States Constitution, and every one of them is now multiplied times worse. They didn't fix anything is, is, is really the, the, the point I'm making. They only made matters worse. And the reason being is because their basis was not the Word of God, was not God, and was not His laws. And it was inevitable exactly. that things would uh, continue. And a lot of people promote, hey, this, this document has got to be great because it's been around for 200 years. Well, the longer it's around, the worse the worst state America finds herself in because of this document. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we've got biblical, secular, and empirical record in evidence regarding um, Yahweh's immigration and, and border um, uh, policies or commands. And yet, as it pertains to and was applying to the colonies at the time of the writing of the declaration, you challenged some of those immigration grievous uh, assertions. Um, did you find that to be the case that after the declaration of independence uh, was drafted, um, were those objections, were there, I should say, objections by the state delegates and uh, prior to the adoption of the declaration, or was it just a case of Exodus 23, 1 to 4, just following a multitude to do evil? Yeah, I'm not sure I understand your question. Um, but, uh, as far well, as I was thinking from, from, yeah, from the standpoint of their, of their grievance about immigration, which we're kind of in a situation similar today, um, you know, as you looked at those framers of the declaration, did you find that they were in worst case um, under King George uh, or that their objections um, and, and grievance fell on deaf ears? Or was it really that the delegates themselves weren't even raising objections? Some of them, I know, did raise some objections about the adoption of the Declaration of Independence. And, and so I began to just wonder, was it just a case of many of these individuals just following a multitude to do evil? In other words, we have the same situation where people fail to stand up to this ungodly, unbiblical um, you know, tyranny that 
whether it's immigration or judicial or any other, you know? Well, I think that's certainly the case. Um, and, you know, what, what comes to mind is, is what was then officially made the, the law of the land and part of that being their election process by which they basically, <laughs> it's incredible. You know, the Bible, the Bible has, the Bible teaches a one God, one vote election system per Deuteronomy 17, 15, etc. Um, it was never intended right. to be a one man, one vote election process. What the constitutional framers did, many of the same men who were the signatories of the Declaration, by the way, um, is that they took God's exclusive election authority and then turned it over to the quote-unquote destruction, excuse me, discretion of we the people. Here's the catch. The majority of whom are in the Broadway leading to destruction per Christ in Matthew 5.13. So, Surprise, surprise. Guess where we find ourselves today? On the precipice of destruction. The majority, turning, you, you couldn't have, you, that had to be one of the stupidest things the constitutional framers did, was to turn election authority over to the, major, the majority of we the people, the majority who's in the Broadway leading to destruction. There is no question why we're in the fix we are today. And so, yeah, there was from the very beginning, it's always been the case of man to follow a multitude in doing evil, and and uh, they only made sure that that's exactly what would happen, because once again, they did not lay the foundation upon God's law and, and His word, but instead upon the traditions of men. And what those traditions really were, when you get into them, they were Enlightenment and Masonic traditions, of all things. I forget the exact number, but I, I do provide it in the Bible Law versus the, the Constitution book. Um, it's 30-some of those, at least 30-some of those men who were, who were Freemasons, including George Washington. Of course, one of the famous pictures of him is in his, his uh, Masonic apron when, uh, I believe it's at his inauguration, a painting of his inauguration, and he did it in his Masonic apron. Um, and he was just one of many men who were Freemasons and many who, and others who they may not be able to pin that on them, but who had Masonic connections for sure. Um, and sure. So, you know, what, do you, what would you expect for uh, a, a government created upon, by such men? Why would you not think that we would end up on the precipice of destruction? And it's just... Everything they did, um, not only by not establishing um, the their their, uh, their their secession from Great Britain upon God's law, um, then they they eleven years later made it official in this document that there's not there's hardly an article or an amendment of the Constitution that's not either antithetical or seditious. Yahweh's sovereignty and morality. Um, and that's, by the way, for those who aren't familiar with Bible law versus the United States Constitution, the Christian perspective, I believe it's about 575 pages. I devoted a chapter to examining every article and every amendment by the Bible um, um, in, that, in that particular book. 
and uh, again then did essentially the same thing with the uh, with the declaration and biblical examination of the Declaration of Independence. By the way, let me mention, if I could, Doug, that for those who will be listening to this program, um, that if they'll go on um, either one of the websites, missiontoisrael.org or bibleversesconstitution.org, and go over to the site column, there's a 10-question constitution survey. If they'll take that that survey, I will send them a free copy of the 85-page primer of Bible Law versus the United States Constitution. And in fact, if they'll go to my uh, online book page, all of my books are available online, except for the curriculum to the primer of Bible Law versus Constitution. But all of them, even the entire Bible Law versus the United States Constitution is online. They can download it right from there. And I also make all of my books free of charge for anyone who can't afford a, a donation provided they'll use it for themselves or for someone else. So, but you can at least get the primer. If you haven't already got a copy of the primer or the larger book, take the survey and I'll, you, don't even have to, you don't even have to pay for postage. I'll, I pay for that too and I'll include a few extra things as well. But you can at least get started with the 85-page primer of the, uh, the bigger book of Bible Law versus Constitution. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm gonna. I just flipped over to page 121 because I had a note here for that. That's grievance number 10. King George has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. I have been parroting that phrase, doing financial workshops and things over the years. Uh, 30, 30 years plus at least, and trying to wake people up to this idea that, you know, you have this declaration that you hold up, and this is before I began to realize how unbiblical everything with our founding documents and so forth really was. But he's erected multitudes of new offices, sent hither swarms of officers to harass the people and eat out the substance. You know, I was thinking about that as a sin. In fact, I was thinking about all of these grievances and attaching to them the the terminology in my mind of, of the sin, because this is the quintessential proverbial deep state or administrative state. And what could we possibly be concerned about when the document says we the people do ordain and establish what's going to be righteous or unrighteous or what's going to be uh, legislatively authorized and so forth. And should we at all be concerned about this when Christ himself said that the scribes and the Pharisees were sitting in Moses' seat? It's just, it's astounding. Yeah. yeah. You know, looking at this grievance 10 again, uh, it just, I don't know that it even hit me before in the fashion it is right now. But again, let me read it again. He, speaking of Britain's King George III, it says, He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. I mean, if, I mean, is there a better description, Doug? of what's going on in America today? 
And absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, is this declaration, wasn't this declaration and the Constitution that was created therefrom supposed to fix all of this? And in fact, as I've already stated, it's multiplied times worse. You know, the the, the sins, this, I think this was a very important um, consideration in all of this, and that is that the sins of the of the early 1600, or excuse me, late 1700 um, signatories of the Declaration and and uh, the constitutional framers was twofold in that they their sins were both of commission and omission. Of commission, mm-hmm. let's just deal with the Constitution in that there's again hardly an article or amendment that's not antithetical or sedition to Yahweh's sovereignty and morality. So that's their sins of commission. And and again, for anybody who can't that has not seen this before, please get at least the primer of Bible law versus the Constitution or the entire book. And again, it's online, or I'll send them to you free of charge if if, if uh, you'd like to look at them. But go through the document. You go through the document, examine it actually by the Bible and its laws, and there's no question that from the Constitution, just just the Constitution itself, and also the Declaration, but but particularly the Constitution, their sins were of commission against Yahweh throughout the document. But their sins were also of omission. And in fact, had they not even written the Constitution by the fact that they omitted God's law, that alone has put us where we're at today. And I use it as an example often mm-hmm. when, I'm, when I'm addressing this issue in this fashion, that just ask the millions of infants that have been slaughtered in their mother's wombs, financed by the Constitutional Republic, if the Constitution, the Constitutional Framers' failure to establish the, uh, the government on the, just dealing with this one aspect, on Exodus 20:13, Exodus 21:22-13, Deuteronomy 27:25, etc. See if, if if they don't believe that that the framers and what there's in their sins of omission didn't provide for them to be slaughtered in their mother's wombs. Um, it didn't even take their sins of commission as bad as they were in both the Declaration and in the Constitution, but by their sins of omission that they did not establish this country upon God as its sovereign, like they did in the early 1600s, and thus his moral law is supreme, um, is, is, is alone the reason for everything that's gone wrong in America today, because God's law addresses all of those things and has the answer, the solution for all of those things. Omit God's law, and it's inevitable we end up with where we find ourselves, let alone with what we find as being unbiblical and biblically unlawful in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution. Um, it's incredible. You know, you know, a lot the of... The evidence is yeah. so overwhelming. It's incredible that we have been that Americans have been hoodwinked, Christians have been hoodwinked into believing that either one of those documents are biblically compatible. Yeah, talking about a lot of information, you know, I I know that, and and you've probably come into it too, virtually anybody that you don't know personally or is a part of uh, having informed themselves over, you know, decades themselves, 
I have found in talking with people about these kinds of things, it is mind-numbing how many of them just can't believe when you cite a quote of their own words. And I'm turning back to page 54 because I marked this in my notes as well. You write about John Adams, and this is the quote that you record in your book. Quote, it will never be pretended that any persons employed in that service, meaning the establishment of the state's constitutions, had interviews with the gods or were in any degree under the inspiration of heaven. It continues, it will forever be acknowledged that these governments were contrived merely by the use of reason and the senses. Thirteen governments, that is, of the original states, thus founded on the natural authority of the people alone. Now, I don't know how many people have ever heard or read that quote from John Adams. But if that quote from John Adams doesn't tell you how flippant he was in regards to insulting with or interviewing with the gods... Um, he had no intention of interviewing with the gods, did he? Just absolutely none. Well, and neither did any of the other men. That I used that quote from him to. A lot of people say, "Well, we need to get back to the Articles of Confederation and the state constitutions." Well, listen. Right. Most of those guys in the in the state constitutions prior to prior to the United States Constitution. Most of them were the same guys, and we're all talking only 11 exactly. years difference between between the Declaration of Independence. Let alone, I mean, it's less than that for some of those, much less for some of the state constitutions and the and the the uh, United States, the federal constitution. Um, and so I use that Adams quote particularly for those who want to say, yeah, we need to go back to this, the state constitution. Listen, those state constitutions. Um, were hardly any better than what we find in the federal constitutions. It, they were littered with Enlightenment and Masonic thinking as well. And I'll just give you an example. Um, um, previous, um, you mentioned page 54. If I start on page 53, um, here's, here's one from James Madison, for example. Um, he, re he reveals in this, in this quote, you'll see it, where ultimate, what he says, where ultimate power resides in their constitutional republic. And he's, here's the quote. And these are all documented, by the way. I don't, I don't just throw out quotes without documentation. <clears throat> but he said, quote, as the people are the only legitimate fountain of power. And then a little bit later, he says, it is from them that the constitutional charter under which several branches of government is derived. From the people, not from God, not from his law, not from his word. Mm -hmm. And then I follow that mm -hmm. up, and I'll just, there's some others before, you, before the quote you just read, but let me give you one more. Alexander Hamil Hamilton stated it very similarly. He said, quote, the fabric of the American empire ought to rest on the solid basis of the consent of the people. The streams of national power ought to flow immediately from that pure original fountain of all legitimate authority, end of quote. Now, you can't get more humanistic than all of those three quotes 
the one from Adams that you cited and those two and some in between here that I also share, one of them also mm -hmm. from George Washington right. in his farewell address. And then I also provide, I think, seven or eight of uh, uh, quotations from the state constitutions saying almost the, exactly, the exact same things that we just read from those three quotes from Adams, Hamilton, and, and Madison. So the state constitution, going back to the state constitutions only returns us to another form of humanism. Um, and that's what the Declaration provided us, and that is what the Constitution provided us, was humanism. Is it any wonder, Doug, that America finds herself where she's at today? Now, God was, it took a long time to get here. Um, and God has been gracious and merciful and long-suffering with um, America for a very long time. But we're seeing his judgment. I know you see it as that. And uh, it's only going to get worse, folks, because right now America is not about to repent of the humanism created by these two documents. And particularly since Christians are the ones leading the, the bandwagon um, in support of these two documents. So it's, it's the reason I'm, I'm trying, we're trying, you and I and others like us are trying to reach out and, and reach our fellow brethren to wake up that this, these idols must come down if we ever intend to save America from the precipice upon which he follows. And let me end with this. My time is about up here. But let me end with this. There is encouraging things happening, Doug. I, I, I would think you're probably seeing this too. But I'll give you an example. When I first put up the 10-question Constitution survey, <clears throat> and again, for those who may not have already heard me say this, you can get a free primer of the the big book on the Constitution by taking our Constitution, or by taking the survey on our websites. Um, but when I first put up that 10 question Constitution survey, um, and it was probably for a good t period of two years, <clears throat> I couldn't believe that anybody could ever answer all 10 of those questions wrong. But that's how a predominant, that was the predominant answer to those questions over two years. But that sure. has changed over time, where now I, we have reached out to enough people um, that I'm now seeing the exact opposite, where the predominant answers are all correct instead of all wrong. So just to, yeah. you know, we're, we're making headway. And I'll tell you why I think we're, we're making headway is because God's, when God's judgment comes down on a nation, hearts and minds begin to open up to, to truths they hadn't seen before. And there's guys like you out there that's pounding the pavement and, and getting the word out as well, and as well as some others. And, and we are making, it's, it's not what you and I'd like to see it, but we're making headway and we're reaching people and waking up people and got a long ways to go. And God's judgment's only going to get worse, but as it does, it's, we're going to see more open hearts and more open minds and, more people who are going to submit to our God as king and, and his law is supreme like it should be. Yeah, I agree. And and also, he's he's still sifting. He's still sifting some who, um, you know, are fence teeters or still, you know, want to tweak around the edges a little bit. As you know, I, I wrote a declaration of dependence uh, to be a dependence upon this God of Jacob Israel as a means of avoiding what the Israelites in first Samuel eight did in seeking themselves a king so that we might also not seek another constitutional equivalent 
And I could just see that. And, and as the more I thought about that situation there, when they came to him, came to Samuel and said, your sons don't walk in your, in your ways, you know, that was the first indication um, why, um, you know, it didn't go differently. Um, I don't know. That's not what the scripture bears record of. However, it bears record that the people were willing once again to forsake God. And um, they even declared the causes which impelled them to that decision to ask of a king. And part of the causes was that their sons were taking bribes, um, perverting justice. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I, so I took from that and said, you know, that's a, that's a declaration of causes. And, and these are the things that, as you say, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be happy to be able to be thought of as having paved some, some footprints in the right path or the right direction here. But, well, you know, there's you. times that, um, go ahead. Well, as I say, I, uh, let me, I want to plug your declaration of, your de declaration of dependence, dependence upon God. Um, um, for those who, who haven't seen it, I've, I take it you've got a website that you can point them to where they can find that, and you've got it on T-shirts and maybe some other things as well. But also, I really want to mention to your, your, the people listening that if they don't know about your audio series on the declaration, that they need to listen to it. Um, you hit some things in, uh, in ways that I don't in the book. And uh, it took me, as you know, it took me several years. I only listen to uh, CDs on, when I'm on the road, audio material when I'm on the road on a trip. So it took me about two or three years after I got them to finally get through them. But I highly recommend them and believe that they are, they are also very foundational to, awake, to waking people up. So, um, yeah, yeah, well, thank you for that. I, I would really would have encouraged it. Yeah, and I, we've got those, I think we've got those available on my site as well, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and thank you. Uh, I, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you know, it, it has nothing to do with, uh, it's certainly from my perspective, nothing to do with me as an individual. The uh, The intention and the idea is that we're, we, we pray and we recognize from the scripture that the prayers are going to not be heard when we will not be attentive to his cares and concerns. And so we feel as if sometimes that, that you know, he just doesn't care, but he, he's actually recognizing back to us that we don't care. And so I I have continued to just endeavor as you do to to try to continue to open minds to recognize the errors of the things that we've held on to so dearly and um, these these original co quotes and so forth uh, some of them you know we just listened to what somebody else told us somebody said a long time ago and, and I'm not speaking for you I'm speaking for me. And in doing so, this is our gravest error. And would to God that our people would stop so much of their listening to everything else and really endeavor to let God speak with them. And 
what it opens up to them and the doors uh, of of their mind of their information to just flow the spirit to move in them um this is truly where i believe we're we're going to find our best success and it may not be in my time or your lifetime or anything else but it's the remnant of those that we're reaching yet still today that will hold on and hold fast until God's day of judgment has either been visited upon us or he withholds it and allows for a new day such as a Nineveh in repentance. But until then, we have to be explaining and sharing and encouraging people to the truth in that word and uh, trusting that they're not going to let it fall on deaf ears and absolutely and and i i'm just very thankful for an opportunity to to sit down with you this fellowship and have a little discussion again once again everybody ted r wyland mission to israel ministries and mission to israel.org and um bible versus the constitution.org you owe it to yourself to to take advantage of ted's work and labor and so forth and as i say if you're not going to take another man's word i get that i would just assume that you didn't at times too but then sit down on your own and do it for yourself and i think in conjunction with ted's work beside you you can come to the conclusions quicker and more readily receive and be open to and not have this this cognitive dissonance set in and uh, keep you from uncovering the greater truth and understanding what our true mission before christ really is in the kingdom so just enjoy it. I know Ted, it's late for you. He's an early riser and and likes to uh, likes to try to get uh, done with his his thinking toward the end of the day. And I get it. So fa- Pastor um, Ted Wyland, I just thank you for for gracing us with a little bit of time tonight, and thank you for the work you did in the biblical examination of the Declaration of Independence. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate you and appreciate your work and, and uh, for allowing me to share this time with you as well. And may God use it to his praise and glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. Amen. All right. Well, good night, Ted. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch up with you again. Good night.